pray for you. <laughs> All right, everybody's good looking. Amen. Well, of course, open your Bibles to Exodus 20, if you would. Exodus 20, of course, today is Super Sunday, isn't it? And usually I preach a message on the real Super Sunday when Jesus was raised from the dead, but the Lord has us on the Ten Commandments. So I learned a long time ago, it's, we need to follow the Lord, amen? And so I've preached that Super Sunday message the last several years on Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you know Jesus being raised from the dead outranks the Super Bowl, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, and nothing wrong with that, but, uh, but we normally preach on that on Super Bowl Sunday. The real Super Sunday, Jesus being raised from the dead. But on the Ten Commandments, let's follow the Lord. And uh, maybe next year I'll preach on uh, my message on Super Sunday, Jesus being raised from the dead. But Exodus 20, we're talking about the Big Ten, Ten Commandments. Remember, these were not suggestions that God gave us. These were commandments. Not suggestions, but commandments. And uh, somebody said, well, yeah, that's in the Old Testament. Remember, all the Ten Commandments can be supported in the New Testament. And not only that, but Jesus takes the Ten Commandments, as you look at his ministry, he takes them to a higher level even than what they had in the Old, in the Old Testament. So the Ten Commandments are still for us today. Now, you can't get saved by keeping them. You understand that. You can't miss hell and make heaven by keeping the commandments. You miss hell and make heaven by repenting of your sins and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But once you get that relationship with Jesus Christ, then he empowers us to keep the commandments. So should we be keeping the commandments? Yes. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments. So that's how you can know whether or not you really love Jesus. It's not by whether or not you say you love him. It's are you keeping the commandments? And remember, uh, the commandments are not to put us in bondage, but they're to set us free. Remember, you know what I'm saying? You live, live according to the Ten Commandments. A lot of people, you know, they always think, well, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God just doesn't want me to have fun. No, God wants you to have fun, but the way to really know life is to walk pure before God. And you do that by keeping the, his, his commandments, you see. So uh, remember, there's ten commandments. Are they commandments or suggestions? Commandments. The first four show our love for God. And the last six of the ten show our love for others. Now, over the last several weeks... Remember, commandment number one, you shall have what? No other gods before me. Number two is no idols. Number three, you'll not take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. So we've covered those pretty in depth. Now let's get to Exodus 20 verse 14. Exodus 20, verse 14, commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. Now, what is adultery? Most people know what it is, but in case you don't, it's a married person having sexual relations with someone they are not married to. 
a married person having sexual relations with someone they are not married to. That is adultery. And you need to realize if you look at Leviticus 20 verse 10, Leviticus 20 verse 10, that adultery was punishable by death. Punishable by death. Notice Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be what? Put to death. And there's a scripture in the book of Deuteronomy that talks about, you know, the woman being stoned. So you need to realize, you know, stoned to death. You need to realize that adultery is a sexual sin. And think about adultery. It's not good. It's just not good. Look at Proverbs 5. Go to Proverbs 5. I'm going to read a few verses here out of the NIV, the New International Version. I usually use the New King James, but they'll have it on the screen. Proverbs 5 NIV. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand real high. Ushers will be glad to get you one, but uh, loan you one, one of ours. But Proverbs 5, look at verse 3. This is in the NIV. It'll be on the screen. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil but in the end she is bitter as gall sharp as a double-edged sword doesn't the bible say there's pleasure in sin for a season but the wages of sin is ultimately death verse 5 her feet go down to death her steps lead straight to the grave or to hell Verse 8, keep to the path far from her, far from the adulteress. Do not go near the door of her house. Would you agree with me? If you don't go near the door, you won't wind up in her bed. Is that right? Verse 9, lest you give... Now, look at this. You, adultery. Look at verse 9, how it winds up. Lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Verse 10, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your, uh, and your uh, toil enrich another man's house. You see, when adultery is being committed, it's, it seems, you know, you know, as I've studied this over the years, um, actually, as I've studied sexual sins, actually, the, the sex part of it is usually not even the main thing when you get right down to it. It's the people think they're getting away with something. It's the charge and the excitement of having this thing going on that nobody else knows about, and I'm getting away with it. Now, the sex certainly is important to, 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 to those people, but usually that's not the main thing. It's the, I'm getting away with something. And it can be, like we see here in verse 3, the, her words, the adulteress's words drip with honey, or the adulterers, the male, uh, you know, his words can drip with honey and can sound so good and all of that. But in the end, it winds up in destruction. Verse 13, 
I would not, I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. This is talking about a person that wouldn't listen to the word of God. Wouldn't listen when somebody told him you shouldn't commit sexual sin, you shouldn't commit adultery. Said, I would not obey my teachers. Look at verse 14. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. See, if you won't listen to good instruction and you continue in, in sin, talking about sexual sin today, right now adultery, there's pleasure in sin for a season. It only lasts for a season, but ultimately it'll wind up in ruin. And notice right here, it talks about in the midst of the whole assembly, that has to do with scandal and embarrassment. That's where adultery leads. It might not lead there overnight. It might not lead there in a day, a week, a month, a year. Many times people get away with it for years. But there's a scripture, the Bible says, your sin will find you out. That's biblical fact. And if we won't listen to the word of God, like, like we've already said, you can continue in sin for a season and it'd be pleasurable, but at the end it'll ruin you, it'll destroy you, it'll, be, it'll bring scandal and heartache. Now, what else does the Bible have to say about sexual sin? We've been talking about adultery. Remember what adultery is? It's a married person having sexual relations with someone they are not married to. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says marriage, and this is in the New King James Version, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Now you need to realize that marriage is an honorable thing. Marriage is an honorable thing. How many of you know God instituted marriage? Marriage is honorable. And as you study the word of God, you see marriage is between a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Do you understand that? Not between a man and a man, not between a woman and a woman, but between a man and a woman. The Bible does not condone living together. Did you hear me? Blessing of God's not on that. Okay? Marriage is honorable. And notice the bed undefiled. What does that mean? God has his stamp of approval on you and your spouse having sexual relations. I've said this for years. Sex is God's wedding present to the married couple. And it's undefiled. God's blessing is on sex. And as I study the word of God, sex is as designed by God for procreation, for having children. And it's also designed for pleasure and enjoyment. Did you hear me? God wants you to have a good time in sex with your spouse. Is that okay? Boy, you're looking at me real. <laughs> Did you know God's not an old fuddy-duddy? He wants you to have a good he wants you to have a good time. He's 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 cool. Did you know that? But if you take it if you take sex out of the marriage bed between a man and a woman, husband and wife, if you take it out of that, it can be pleasurable for a while, but in the end, it will destroy you. Did you hear me? Okay. Notice this. Marriage is honorable among all the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will what? Will, will judge. 
Now we've talked about an adulterer. We've given you the definition of that. What is a fornicator? What is the definition of fornication? Sexual relations between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. That's what fornication is. Sexual relations between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. So really the difference between adultery and fornication is in adultery you've got the, you've got marriage that's being violated, you see. Did you hear me? So we see that God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Now just a few other scriptures on sexual sin because I don't want to just look at adultery Commandment said, you you shall not commit adultery, commandment seven. But the Bible has much to say, not just about adultery, but about other sexual sins, such as fornication. Look at Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. Turn there, if if you would, in the New King James Version is what I'm reading out of. Revelation 21, 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving abominable, murderers, sexually immoral. See that? Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I realize there's other sins besides sexual sin. But we're talking about sexual sin today. And people who are sexually immoral, wind up in the lake of fire, don't they? Is that right? Don't they? People that are sexually immoral. And I want to say this now, so I don't forget to say it later, but I'm sure I'll say it later. I want to tell you something right now. There's a difference between blundering and making a mistake and practicing something. Would you agree with me on that? You okay with me on that? You all right? We'll say more about this. As we go. But the sexually immoral. I'll say it this way. Those who continually practice sexual immorality. Adultery, fornication. And other things as we'll see. Wind up in the lake of fire. Now look at. You're in Revelation 21. Go to Revelation 22 verse 14. Revelation 22 verse 14 says, blessed are those, Revelation 22 verse 14 says, blessed are those who do his what? His commandments, that they may live, I'm sorry, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. That's the holy city, you know, on the the new earth that God's going to, you know, when he renovates this place and eventually and on on out in the future it says right here blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into that holy city okay but outside outside the city outside of god's city are dogs now what that means is those who do not have a covenant with god through jesus christ okay Outsider dogs and sorcerers and what? Sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and see that word practices a lie. And we'll talk about lying next week. But when, when the commandments talk about not bearing false witness. But right here you see that there's nothing good lay ahead for people who practice sexual immorality. 
Can you say amen? Now we've talked about fornication. We've talked about adultery, of course. But what about homosexuality? What about lesbianism? What about that? Is that sexual sin? Well, certainly it is. Let me give you some thoughts on that. The book of Leviticus calls homosexuality an abomination. Now, and we'll see this as I go along here this morning, because people have asked me over the years, are sexual sins worse than others? I believe they are. Now, somebody says, well, sin is just sin. Well, in one sense, I understand where the people that say that are coming from. And in one sense, I agree with that. But as I've studied the word of God, as I've dealt with so many people over the years, I personally think that, yes, sexual sins are worse than others. Let me say this to you. In in eternity, people that are saved, are there going to be levels of blessing? Huh? Sure. Is is everybody going to get rewarded the same? No. The, the people that are more faithful to God, they get greater reward. Is that right? Now, as far as entering into heaven, that's the same for everybody. That's repentance and faith in Jesus. Is that right? But as far as being rewarded, it depends on our faithfulness and all of that. Is that correct? And also, too, did you ever notice that, that in hell there's levels of punishment? Didn't Jesus say, you want proof? I'll give you proof. Didn't Jesus say it would be more tolerable? for certain cities than it would be for Tyre and Sidon. Remember that? In, 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 in judgment? Remember that? How many remembers that? So, so even in hell, there's levels, of, there's, there's levels of punishment. I think we're clear on that in Scripture. And so I, I believe that sexual sins are worse than others. Now, I, I don't want to get into a big dissertation and argument on that. I'm, a, I'm against all sin. God's against all sin. Amen? And so I don't want to get into a big discussion about which sin is worse. I mean, murder's pretty bad, isn't it? So, so I don't want to get into a big discussion on that. I understand sin is sin, and so I'm okay with that. But as, as we go here this morning, we'll see that I, I think you'll be able to see that there, there is something about sexual sin that, that tends to be worse than others. And having said that, let me say this. As bad as, as bad as adultery is and as bad as fornication is, I believe that, that homosexuality is worse than that. And the reason I say that is because the Bible calls, I'll say it this way, fornication and adultery, the Bible calls it sin. But homosexuality, the Bible calls it an abomination. So based on that, I, I believe that, yes, sexual sins are worse than others, but, but what I want to say here is this, is that I believe that homosexuality, lesbianism, is worse than uh, illicit sex between a man and a woman. Because God calls homosexuality an abomination. Now look at Romans 1, verse 26. Romans 1, verse 26. And while you're turning there, uh, let, me, let me say this. If you want to see how God feels about homosexuality... All you need to do is read about Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you ever read about Sodom and Gomorrah? How many ever read about that? And remember, how many of you know there, there were two angels went in there, right? To check it out. Is that right? They came from, there. three of them went to, to Abraham and then two of them went to, to uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot was in there? How many remembers that? And um, 
uh, remember they, the Bible says the men of the city, both young and old, came to Lot's house and they wanted those two male angels to have sex with them. Is that right? You remember that? And remember Lot said, I'll send out my virgin daughters. Leave the angels alone. I'll send out my virgin daughters. Do whatever you want with them. Just don't touch these holy angels. Remember that? And those men of that city said, no, send those angels out. Those male, we want to have sex with them. Remember that? And God fire and brimstoned Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, as you study that out, God didn't do it overnight. You need to realize God doesn't judge sin just like that. He gives people time to repent. How many of you know he's gracious and merciful? But evidently, or as I study the scripture, at a certain point when, when God has been patient and gracious and people won't repent, how many of you know there's the goodness of God, but there's also the severity and the judgment of God? Is that correct? Certainly there is. And so you can see how God feels about homosexuality by looking at Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at Romans 1.26. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. I think we'll have that up on the screen. I believe we have that. Notice this. Romans 1.26, New Living Translation, says, That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women burned against... I'm sorry, even the woman, women turned against the natural way to have sex... And instead indulged in sex with each other. He calls that a shameful thing, doesn't he? And in verse 27, And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other, men did shameful things with other men. He's talking about homosexuality, lesbianism here. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Much we could say about that, but I believe we can conclude that homosexuality is, is, is sinful. It's wrong. Okay? It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's, it's just wrong. Okay? And I wanted to point that out to you. Now, if you would, uh, look at verse 32 here, Romans 1.32, pornography. Let's talk about pornography. Just for a moment, somebody says, well, I don't do it. I just watch it. Well, that's sinful too. And, and you need to realize, I'm going to read Romans 132 from the New King James Version. Notice what it says. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice, there's that word practice again, practice such things. One thing to blunder and make a, a, a mistake sexually. It's another thing to practice. Okay, now he's talking about that those who practice such things, this is in the context of, 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 of sins and sexual sins here and homosexuality and whatnot. Notice those who practice such things are deserving of death, talking about people who not only do the same, but also what? Approve of those who practice them. See, people who watch pornography are approving of what those actors are doing on that on that, that videotape or whatever it is. You understand? So pornography is wrong. Actually, if you, that word fornication, uh, the Greek word that that comes from is the Greek word pornos, from which we get our word pornography. 
And so you need to realize that if somebody says, well, I don't actually commit uh, adultery, I don't actually commit fornication, I don't actually commit those things, I just watch it on, on television or whatever or on the internet, God says you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And actually it says that if you do that, what does it say? Deserving of, look at verse 32, deserving of what? Deserving of, of what? Of death. Wow. Now look at 1 Corinthians 6.18. Are sex sins worse than others? Let's, let's go there. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Are sex sins worse than others? And I could take three hours and talk about this, but I'm just kind of giving you the highlights here on this part here. Are sex sins worse than others? I think we can read this one verse and conclude that they are. Notice verse 18, flee sexual immorality. And then the Bible says, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So what I get from that one verse is that he says, every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. From that one verse, I conclude that God is saying here that yes, sexual sins are, are worse than others because every other sin that a man commits or a woman commits is outside the body. But when you commit sexual immorality, you're sinning against your own body. Now, I want to say this. So he's distinguishing between the other sins and sexual sin. Now, I want to say this. I want you to listen. Sex sins are not harder for God to forgive than other sins. But sex sins are more personally and socially damaging to us and our families. Did you get what I just said? Sex sins are not harder for God to forgive than other sins. But sex sins are more personally and socially damaging to us and our families. An example. Let's say that uh, when you walked in here today that there were some fellows in the back of the room who you know and trust. And they said that I played golf with them yesterday. And that I hit a bad shot on a certain hole. And that I got angry and I slammed my club on the ground and I kicked, I kicked, I kicked the golf cart and I threw my club in the bag and I just kind of just had a little temper tantrum and didn't say much the rest of the day. Well, you would probably say, you know, Pastor Terry shouldn't have done that, but you know what? He's, he's human. And you would probably still sit there and listen to me preach this morning and we'd go on. If they told you that Pastor Terry stopped off at the Krispy Kreme on the way to the golf course and ate two, two boxes of donuts, you'd probably say, you know, that's gluttony and, and that's bad and I'm not condoning sin here. But you'd probably, maybe some of you might be able to relate with me on that and, and you'd probably still sit and listen to me preach the rest of this message. But if you came in that door back there and those same guys who you trust and, and, and have confidence in said, you know, Pastor Terry left on the third hole and he went up to the, to the clubhouse and he didn't come back. And when we finished the ninth hole and we went in, he was in the back room having sex with the, uh, the, uh, the 
barmaid. Now tell me sexual sins, just by what's going through your head right there now, tell me sexual sins aren't worse than others. Because you probably wouldn't sit there and listen to me finish this message, and rightly so. Now if I ate a box of a two dozen, two dozen, how many is in a box? A dozen. So if I ate two dozen donuts and you told my wife, she'd be upset. <laughs> right? But she'd probably sleep with me, you know, we'd share the same bed that night, you know. But if you told her that, and you had photographs, that I was having sex with the barmaid, do you think she'd, you think she'd respond the same way as she'd do to the two dozen donuts? I know she wouldn't. <laughs> I'd get whipped and beat and thrown out and rightly so. Sex sins. See, see, I'm not condoning gluttony or anger or anything like that, losing our temper, but I'm just saying that sex sins, they can be devastating. I can lose trust with my wife. I can lose trust with you I can especially in a minister falls in that area there's a lot of people quit serving God if I lose my temper you're not going to quit serving God but if I fell into sexual sin statistics say at 30 you'll stop serving God that's what statistics say Notice 1 Corinthians 6.15 are sex sins worse than other sins. And much I could say about this that I just don't have time to say right now. 1 Corinthians 6.15. And I didn't do any of those things, by the way. Those were examples. I can honestly say, and I say this with all humility, but I did not have sexual relations, didn't even kiss a girl. She's the first one I ever smooched. First time was over at, over the, well, I won't get into that, but I kissed her and, woo, man, glory to God. But we did not have sexual intercourse until, I didn't have sexual intercourse with anybody, and I'm not saying this haughty or anything, until that was on my finger. Did you hear me? With her, she's it. If I can do it, you can do it. Sexual Morality must be maintained, amen? And it's harder, I think, now in this world in which we live to be sexually moral than maybe ever before because sexual immorality is always right in front of us. Just Is that right? Look at 1 Corinthians 6.15. And I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm just praising God that I was able to make it till I got married, amen? 1 Corinthians 6.15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. You see, are sex sins worse than other sins? A Christian committing sexual sin is causing the body of Christ to be joined to a harlot or a prostitute. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Now... Are sex sins worse than others? Go to 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. Go there if you would. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. Are you getting anything out of this today? Is it? 
New Living Translation. Notice here, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, New Living Translation. Notice this. I can hardly believe the report about... This is Paul writing to this church in Corinth. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans or sinners don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Wow. You are so proud of yourselves. But you should be mourning in sorrow and shame and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Is that serious? I don't see where Paul ever told the leadership to put somebody out of the church over losing their temper or telling a lie or eating two dozen donuts. But I see him telling him to put somebody out of the church because of sexual immorality. Wow. And this church, the leadership of this church, he said, you're proud of yourselves. What, what does that mean? They, the leadership knew it was going on and they weren't doing anything about it. Perhaps they had an attitude of, of you know, well, you know, yeah, that's going on, but sin is sin and, you know, that's not the attitude Paul took. He didn't take the attitude sin is sin. What did he say about sexual immorality? He said what? Put them, put him what? Put him what? Put him out. And then he says, verse 3, even though I'm not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must... You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit. And so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man, what? Wow. Throw him out. Hand him over to Satan so that the sinful nature will be destroyed and that he himself will be saved on the day the Lord Lord returns. Notice something about the Lord here. Much I could say about this. See, the Lord wanted this man to be dealt with so he'd repent of his sin. It wasn't just about kick him out and do away with him. It was, hey, let's deal with this. This is serious. Let's put him out so that so that he'll come to a place of repentance. Are you there? Are you with me? Throw him out, kick him out. That, that does not mean just kick him out, get rid of him. It's deal with this thing. Love him enough to tell him the truth. Deal with it. This is clearly a, a case where this man was practicing this. And the leaders knew about it and they didn't do anything about it. Perhaps they had the attitude, well, sin is sin, and, you know, eating a dozen donuts is gluttony, but this sin is sin, and so, you know, that's not what Paul said. And Paul was writing at the direction of the Holy Spirit. So that's not what the Holy Spirit says. And see, there's a difference between them. This man didn't just blunder or make a one-time mistake or, or, or once in a, you know, twice, two-time mistake. This man was, real out, say, practicing. He was practicing this. The leadership knew about it. And well, you know, sin is sin. And all sins are just the same and... No, that's not what the Holy Spirit said. He said, put him out. And, and so that he can be dealt with. And then I'll just tell you now, if you read 2 Corinthians, guess what? This man repented. And guess what? Paul said, now you can receive him back in.
But if you don't deal with it, that can go on and on and on in the church. And notice right here, he says, your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads to the whole batch of dough? I'm real concerned, and I don't want to be a minister basher or nothing like that, but I'm real concerned when I listen to television and I hear pastors of, some pastors of leading churches, and by leading I mean large churches, television ministries and whatnot, you know, and, and, and they make statements like, well, uh, Uh, homosexuals are going to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. That's not what the Bible says. They make statements that, well, sin is sin, and we have homosexuals that attend our church, and the implication is is that they attend there regularly, and, you know, we just want to make them feel warm warm and fuzzy and everybody to, you know, be be just, just welcomed and comfortable and happy. Friends, that's not the position God takes. Did you hear me? I'll say it again, I've said it before. I, I, I would love to have homosexuals come to this church by the droves. I would love to have drunkards come to this church by the droves. I would love to have adulterers come to this church by the droves. I would love to have fornicators come to this church by the droves. And I would want every single one of them to feel welcomed when they come in. But I don't want any one of them to ever feel comfortable in this church until they've dealt with their sin. I don't want you, I want you to feel welcome here, but I don't ever want you to feel comfortable. I want me to certainly feel welcome here, but I don't want ever want me to be comfortable if there's something in your life or my life that should not ought to be there. Can you say amen? And if it would come to my attention that there was someone that was a regular attender here that was, that was caught in, up in sexual sin, I'd want to get with them privately. I'd want to find out, did they blunder or are they practicing it? And if they're practicing it, I'm going to deal with them just like what the Bible, what Paul told the church in Corinth to do. I've already had people that have attended here and they were living together and they wanted to become members. And I would not let them become members until they either got married or lived separately. Can you say amen? And they got mad at me and left. Well, guess what? I can at least sleep at night knowing that I lovingly told them the truth. I'm not here to beat people up. I'm not here to, to put people, you know, down or anything like that. I'm just here to lovingly tell people the truth. Did you hear me? And I would never embarrass anybody. I try to deal with it, all this stuff privately. That, you, know, you, don't, you understand what I'm saying? Although Paul said, call a member a meeting of the church. I think though, from my study of it, he was talking about the leadership, not, not out in, in public, to embarrass somebody. We don't need to embarrass people. There are some instances you could, you could say, well, somebody may need to be embarrassed, but, but, uh, uh, I find that when, if somebody's being a public embarrassment to the church and they've been talked to privately time and time again and they will not repent, then and only then you might want to deal with it publicly, but those would be in extreme cases. I'm not here to embarrass people. Say amen. But if, uh, if, there, if, if there's sexual sin amongst us and it comes to my attention, I would, would have to deal with it according to the way Paul dealt with it. You okay? I want everybody to feel welcome here, but I don't want anybody to feel comfortable if there's sin in their life that they're practicing. And do you understand that there's a difference between blundering and practicing? And if somebody's practicing sin, because I love them, 
enough to tell them the truth. And I hope you respect me for that. I hope you don't think less of me. But I love people enough to tell them the truth. You know, we, we talk about these things. I don't want you to leave here thinking that God is a meanie. I don't want you to leave here thinking that he's cruel. Do you remember there was a woman that was taken in adultery one time and they brought her to Jesus right out of the very bed of adultery? How many remembers that in John the 8th chapter? How many remembers that? And they brought her down to Jesus and they said, Teacher, you know, we caught her having a, committing adultery right in the very act and now here we've brought her before you and uh, according to the uh, law of Moses, she's supposed to be stoned and put to death, you know. Now, what say you, Jesus? And you know what Jesus did? Now, how many of you know he's the second member of the Trinity? He's God in the flesh. How many of you know what he did? He stooped down and he wrote on the ground as though he didn't even hear him. People say... What did he write on the ground? Well, I don't know for sure, but I know when the finger of God writes, we saw it in the Old Testament, when the finger of God writes, it writes the what? The ten? I personally believe he was writing the ten commandments. And the Bible says they kept pressing him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this woman? The the, the law of Moses says she's supposed to be stoned, put to death. You've got to realize Jesus had been teaching about love and forgiveness. And so he doesn't pay any attention to him. He's just writing on the ground. What's he writing? I believe the Ten Commandments. They keep pressing him. And then he stands up and he says, those among you without sin, you cast a stone at her first. Remember that? And it says that the Bible says they were convicted in their conscience from the oldest to the youngest and they all walked away. What was he writing? I believe the Ten Commandments. And yeah, those, those religious, uh, hypocrites standing there, uh, uh, see, they, 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 they tried to get Jesus caught between a rock and a hard place. If he says, don't stone her, he's violating the law of Moses. If he says, uh, stone her, he's violating his teaching of law and, of love and forgiveness. So what did he do? He waited on the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him and direct him. And then he stands up and says, you without sin among you cast a stone at her first. I believe that while he was writing those, uh, uh, I believe, commandments on the ground, maybe those religious hypocrites didn't commit adultery, but maybe one of them didn't honor their father or mother. Maybe one of them had an idol in their life. Maybe one of them had stolen. Maybe one of them had lied. And uh, they were convicted and they walked away. And Jesus looks up and he says, woman, where are your accusers? Well, they're gone, Lord. There's none here to condemn you. Nope. And he said, what did he say? He says, neither do I condemn thee. If you're here today and look, if, the, if you're here today and there's, you're practicing sin, sexual sin, or anything, I'm going to call you to repentance, you see. But I'm not going to condemn you. Jesus was the only one in that crowd who had never sinned. He's the only one there who could have thrown a stone at her by his own words and he didn't do it yet he said he said uh, neither do I condemn thee we don't need to condemn people we need to love people and try to restore them can you say amen? amen neither do I condemn thee but then what did he say he said go and sin no more did he condone her sin Absolutely not. But did he forgive her sin? Yes. Do you ever study the Bible? You see, we, a lot of times people think God is a meanie. Jesus, 
Look, Jesus was a person of love. Love emanated from him. Do you remember? I mean, prostitutes would come to him. Remember that one prostitute came to him that time when he was in Simon's house? Remember that? And she's standing behind him and she's crying and she's weeping. How many remembers that? And she she washes his feet uh, with her tears and, and anoints him with oil. How many of you remember that? Why did that woman come to Jesus? Because Jesus was not condemnatory. He was a person of love. God is love and I believe that those the prostitutes and people they came to him and were were drawn to him because he was a person of love and he wasn't going to condemn them and beat them up and put them down but yet he was not going to condone their sin but he was going to call them to a point of repentance you see And, and and that excites me about Jesus how about you It's not about beating people up and putting them down. It's about loving people and loving them enough to tell them the truth. We'll close in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. I've gone a little bit long this morning, but I wanted to get this in. We'll close in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know, this is in the New King James Version, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Say, I will not be deceived. Say it one more time. I will not be deceived. Now, notice what he's there. Don't be deceived. Talking about people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither what? Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, nor... Sodomites, which homosexual sodomites, basically the same thing. Does your Bible say that these people who, the implication is practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God? And but verse 10, nor thieves, so let's don't just pick on sexual sins now. Thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then it leads me to one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible as I close. And such were some of you. But, thank God for that but right there in the Bible. Amen. But you are what? You are washed. You are sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Somebody realize, say amen. amen. Because as we read that list there, we could probably find... Something in that list that all of us have missed it on somewhere or another. Real loud say, and such were some of us. But we were washed. But we were sanctified. But we were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Somebody might say, yeah, but pastor, I would never commit adultery. Do you remember Jesus? He took things to a higher level. What did he say? If a man even looks on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery already with her in his heart. Having said that, and and that applies, I think, the other way too. If If a woman looks on a man to lust, let's don't just... Have it one way. If a woman looks on a man to lust, she's committed adultery. Is that right? Let's remember this as men and women. Let's always dress modestly. Say amen. Let's don't make it hard on a member of the opposite sex to stay pure. And, 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 and if a woman dresses, you know, I don't look at the way people dress. Just dress modestly, okay? 
You can wear a suit here, you can wear jeans here, it doesn't make any difference. Just whatever you do, dress, realize, say modestly. modestly. Yeah, and, and if you're a lady, dress in such a way that it's not going to make it hard on a man. You know what I mean? Make it difficult on him. Dress in such a way that it's not going to make it difficult on a man to stay pure. Dress modestly. Men, dress in such a way that it's not going to make it difficult on a woman to stay pure. You know, you okay with that? Everybody okay with that? And the Bible talks about modesty. You know, and and in this day in which we live, even among churches, as I've studied and observed churches, you know, and, and I got one guy mad as a wet hornet at me one time, but Diane and I went to a certain church and we, on the platform, and, and as we looked at the worship people up there, couldn't tell, you, you didn't know, are they, are they Christians or are they prostitutes by the way they were dressed? Oh, I shouldn't bring that up. Folks, we, we must not be like the world. We shouldn't, we shouldn't dress like the world, and the world dresses very immodestly. We need to dress modestly. Amen? Now, I'm not, fr- I'm, I'm not saying that women ought to wear their hair like last year's bird nests. Amen? I, I, like, I like women, that, you know, my wife, when they wear, she wears makeup, you know. What is, the, what is the old saying that every old barn needs a coat of paint? Is that right? She's not old. Amen? And she's not a barn. I'm in trouble bad now. <laughs> but you know, I, my wife's beautiful and, she, and, and she's beautiful without her makeup. I see her every morning without her makeup and she's beautiful. She's more beautiful with her makeup. I'm digging my way out now, brother. I'm digging in. <laughs> well, my wife's beautiful in the morning. She's beautiful at night. All right, let's move on. Let me close this. If I... All I'm trying to say is, is, hey, let's all dress modestly to make it as easy on the opposite sex, okay? You okay? But I'm all, for, <laughs> I'm all for, you know, women wearing makeup and looking nice and all of that and attractive. But you can do that without looking slutty. Is that right? And men can do it without looking like a gigolo. Is that right? Is that right? Are you okay? You still love me? I should have stopped five minutes ago. I know. How many of you know David committed sexual sin, didn't he? He blundered, didn't he? Adultery and murder. You could read Psalm 51. Did he repent? He's in heaven today, isn't he? Oh, yeah. But you know what? That sin that he did, it cost him his joy for well over a year. He cried out in Psalm 51, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sexual sin will rob your joy from you. It caused guilt. His family was never the same after that. But he did repent and he got back right with God. The man, as I said in 1 Corinthians, living with his stepmother, he repented. He might not have repented if the leaders didn't take a firm stance on it. And he might have wound up in hell as a result. But he repented. David repented. And if you're here today and there's sexual sin or any other sin in your life, I'm talking to Christians now, whether you've been practicing it or you've blundered, you can repent and Jesus will forgive you. Stand with me if you would. Heads.